Alright, good morning and hello. Uh, today is going to be a short episode, or a shorter episode. Uh, we're calling it Intermedio. It is a test term for, it means directly translated to a move that is made in between. So this, is, this episode is made in between other episodes uh, because yesterday we recorded, but uh, I was, of course, uh, very low and... Uh, now I hope that the problem is the opposite. So yeah, hopefully we're a bit too loud today. Yeah. So I'll have to try and use a stage voice if I have some presence. Yeah. Agreed. So remember when you speak that you want to hear, you see yourself. So speak. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, this is you. I can see myself. Yeah. Very loud voice. Look, look at my waveform. No, that's that's me, my guy. That's me. All right, shush, shush. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So what are we, what are we yeah, talking? I just told you to shush. No. Went, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, you can go. Okay. <laughs> you can go, you can go. Okay. okay. Hello, this is the sound of my stage voice. Very small, very small. Okay, well, maybe... <laughs> get this in the middle of okay. us. Uh, all 20 minutes is going to be just us looking at the waveform patterns. And, and seeing, arguing about how loud and, we are. And seeing who can be, who can have a better waveform pattern. <laughs> I can't hear myself. It's really bugging me. It's really bugging me. Why am I wearing headphones? Should we just stop this and, and start again? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's just call it a day. We just go home. <laughs> we have an early sauna. You yeah. know, just... We were supposed to be arguing. Well, oh. not arguing. Discussing the ethics of doping yeah, yeah. and sports. This is a podcast. We don't argue. This is... Yeah, we, we just we, have we, a heated we, discussion. <laughs> no, we just... We inform, educate, and enlighten our audience. Yeah, but the most the most popular podcasts out there don't inform or educate. They all just got Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan but on this there. But this is why we have your advertisements, you know? We can yes. Well, we do. Actually, now that you mention advertisements, we do have a special advertiser oh, for no. today. Oh, we do? We oh, do, yes. Oh, no. This is... And it's absolutely real. Wink, wink. Oh, my God. This is... These are specialist <laughs> underwear for middle-aged men. So you really did this? It's specialised underwear. I'm a middle-aged man. Really These this. are the ultimate underpants for this a man is, my age. This is reselling episode two. <laughs> <laughs> They're infused. See, oh, I'm no. using the, the pseudoscientific language. Okay. They're infused with okay. silver to reduce any funky build-up. <laughs> so you don't even have to change them every week like I, I, I do. They have... <laughs> Replaceable charcoal filters that you can put down the back for any <laughs> unwanted emissions. <laughs> but the oh, real innovation. Okay. Now, this is where science and underwear have come together. Okay. These are why they're the underpants of the future. Okay. They have Gore-Tex shake-dry fabric down the front for mm. when you don't fully shake-dry. Okay. Yeah. So they're perfect for the aging man in your life for Christmas. Okay. And... I could have just made up a link for that, but uh, obviously... We that, could have, yeah. But I was thinking about what the perfect underpants for me would be. Mm-hmm. And certainly in winter... And how much are these undergarments that you are well, obviously, advertising for? Obviously... That we are. I'm linked to your <laughs> show. I'm, this if they're more than five euros a packet, then we're gonna, I'll just wait for my mum to buy me a pair. We're going to get sued, I think. Speaking of lawsuits... <laughs> a good yeah, segue. they'd be called Wet and Windies. Yeah, good. Yeah. Wet, and, wet and windy underpants, perfect for the middle-aged man. Yeah. But they have to be really cheap because people my age don't spend a lot on their under, under, underpants. Okay, so... I, I'm... I'm f- how old am I? I've been 29 for about 15 years. I'm 44. Oh, no. So I'm 44 years old. 
I still ask for underpants at Christmas from my mum. No, I don't. I I don't ask for anything. I just assume that I wake up and uh, just take the Christmas as it is, you know? Well, yeah. I normally get something from Freya, but my parents still get me something for Christmas. I'm going over to England. I usually do something, like, nice. Like, I... Last... Like, last year, I made, like, a huge graphic design thing that was really cool, like, mathematically aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing. The year before, I did piano, like, a video of me playing piano, and I just learned it, and it did really well. Um, and so it's something with creative, or, like, my mom is an artist, so I would, when I was younger, I would draw something, because I'm really good as well. My adopted mom, obviously. Yeah. Well, so, um, my daughter, I mean, she likes something personal, so she likes cash. Cash, yeah, <laughs> okay. That, well, I mean... Cash or transfer straight into a bank account. Every teenage she's, she's happy with dream that. is cash, I think. Every yeah. student's dream is cash as well. I was, yeah, I'm a student. Never, yeah, I could just deal with cash. You can never, you can never have enough cash. <laughs> so today's episode, we're discussing kind of informally about ethics of cheating and cheating in general. Uh, we have discussed this numerous times after the off podcast, the yeah. after Mike. Um and you and I have very divergent opinions. Uh, I hold myself, and I think some people like me, hopefully, are out there as well, to really high ethical standards. Like, a, like a, I, I, I don't think we should have bending the rules, so to speak. Um, and just in general, I think obviously cheating is one of those situations where you're always going to have it, and I yeah. think the punishment needs to maybe be rethinked or rethought on how it's, um, how it's... Yeah, because nowadays, because I, I mean, I can remember the days when you would just have variable, vari- variable punishments from different exactly. sporting organisations. Yeah. So like cycling, they might rest, you might get a whole week for being called doping yeah. and like a 500 Swiss franc fine, which really means nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to get more for that, for littering at the Tour de France these days. Yeah, exactly. Where now, if you get caught, like, say, with something like EPO or one of the testosterone esters, mm-hmm. like anabolic steroids, yeah, it's almost straight away four-year ban, second offence, eight-year ban, third offence, if you've already been away for 12 years. Yeah. If you get to a third offence, then it's a lifetime ban. But similar to a lot of other... Crimes. I'll do mm-hmm. the, the scare quotes with my fingers. Mm-hmm. The, like most crimes, it's not so much about the punishment; it's about how likely you are to get caught. Yeah. So when it, whether it's like speeding, mm-hmm. like you could have a a lifetime if you're giving lifetime sentences for going ten kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if there's no enforcement of it. Exactly. So it's where drug testing comes in in sports, where if the drug tests are good enough, yeah, where they can actually cheaply enough and regularly enough test everybody said said like everybody does a, a finger prick yeah yeah this is the Theranos thing it's impossible to just do a finger prick of blood but yeah if it was possible to just do a little bit of urine a little bit of blood and then you could test everybody and everybody could do that once a day mm-hmm. it would be amazing it would be a bit of an intrusion into people's lives but yeah l- probably less than what you actually have now yeah but by the same token somebody would find a way to cheat yeah. So it's all about how likely you are to get caught. Yeah. But when we've talked about the use of drugs in sport, yeah. That. Because I, I, maybe I've just been around for longer than you. Because mm. I can remember so when I was younger, 
I used to do sort of bodybuilding and stuff. Mm. And I was very staunchly anti-steroids. Mm. And never did any steroids. Yeah. Um, I'm sure my parents would be glad to hear that. Never did any steroids. But over time, especially mm-hmm. when you get to know people that were doing steroids, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that you hear, like, like roid rage and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I knew loads of guys on steroids. Yeah. Never saw anybody have roid rage. Yeah, or, yeah. Even when they were using like the really harsh steroids. Yeah, yeah. The Trenbolones and the, uh, what, else, what was the other one called from the Eastern, Eastern Europe? Uh, halotestin. Okay. Yeah, so even when they, they got hold of those ones, like uh, Anadol, yeah, there was all these really high androgenic ones mm-hmm. that they would complain about sort of water retention or getting really spotty back or something. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's probably best to talk to their girlfriends and wives to find out how what their tempers were really like. Yeah, yeah. But I also saw somebody who uh, accidentally was sold some uh, birth control pills. Mm-hmm. They looked like steroids to him. Okay. And he had fake roid rage. Okay. Um, because he wasn't taking steroids, but he thought he was. Mm-hmm. So he started getting roid rage, so it was all in his head. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird scenario if I ever heard of one. Um, I think the most severe scenario from my lifetime that I remember is a guy called WWE wrestler uh, Chris Benoit. I've heard the name, and I don't know he, anything about it. Uh, he was uh, a wrestler. Hang on, are you saying that WWE wrestlers might use steroids? Yeah, <gasps> no, but he, he like, he was, he was I, I don't know, he didn't really Did look. Did he kill someone? <laughs> he killed his wife and two yes, kids. Yes, that's where I've heard yeah, the yeah. name, yeah. And killed himself afterwards. Um, and then Eddie Guerrero, I believe, or it was, it was Chavo, I can't remember. I think it was Eddie, uh, they both died, or one of them died, um, from um, steroid use. I think steroid use in those, unless they're competing and there is a financial gain to be in, in, in had in those situations, it's, it's hard because on one, time, on one point, if you're doing it for yourself, say like, say you're making a, like the guy who did the documentary for Invictus, yes. he said, Flat out, I won't go to cheat, <laughs> and he did. And everyone who, who he raced against, I'm sure was notified beforehand. Hey, I'm cheating, or I'm doing this documentary. Well, I think it was because he was doing the hot route, and there was no testing at all. Yeah, yeah. So I think he kind of kept on the down low and was going to admit afterwards. Regardless, though, whatever, the, some kind of admissions was 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 made, and I think in did terms. Did you just call it Invictus? Yeah, well, it was Icarus. Icarus. Invictus uh, was the one about the South African rugby team. Yeah, yeah, Invictus. Uh, <laughs> it's called Icarus, yeah. I, I thought it was the same. But, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, in Icarus, uh, Invictus is the, the movie about South African team. Um, quite a good movie, actually. Yeah, I think it was. Um, so, um, I think for personal use, and if you want to see what you what it's like to, to, to dope, uh, for yourself, that's fine. I think the line is when you cheat in competition. So if I was to go to swimming and I swim my best time, I think there's two sides to the way that I see this in in uh, perspective. One, it is the first one is the self one, where you look at yourself and you see a cheater, right? Yeah. And that, no matter how how much success you gain, whatever, 
that that seating shelf will never match the same hype, the same happiness levels as the one that you grinded, that you woke up in the mornings at 5 in the morning, you went to the practice at 6 in the morning, then you came back in the evening, and, you, and then uh, even at, say, 1900 hours, and then over the time you did this for two or three months, once you go to a competition and you swim your best time, when you, if you get that gold medal or whatever placement you get or a better time, that feeling is insane. I have, right? I have a funny feeling that although neither of us have doped in competition or anything like that, but when I've read like biographies of someone like Tyler Hamilton, yeah, and he admitted to using EPO testosterone yeah, yeah. transfusions, yeah, yeah, and a big part of the actually the doping that he was doing was just to help him with the training load, yeah. That when you're doping, you can do so much more harder training, yeah, yeah. And there's a satisfaction in being able to do that just from from doing the doping, yeah. And I, I don't think he ever felt like he was cheating, mm. even when he was hiding from the the testers that were coming to his house. Yeah, I mean, when you're getting to the point of hiding felt, some, something... Yeah, it felt like it was just part of the game. Yeah. Everybody else was doing it in his head. Yeah, yeah. It never really felt like cheating. It was just part of the game mm-hmm. that... Certainly because he knew, because quite often a lot of the guys would talk about what they had. And yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, so what have you got? Oh, well, I've got one blood bag. I've got some artificial blood. Yeah, I'm yeah. not using it. I've got no EPO. Yeah. Um, was, this was in the Floyd Landis one when he talked about it. So... He admitted everything, mm-hmm. and it was what kind of led to the Lance Armstrong thing. Yeah. Because he admitted at the time that he was using just blood bags. Yeah. So he was using blood transfusions on the second rest day, mm-hmm. but somehow he had this crazy high level of testosterone in mm-hmm. his test. Yeah. Now, he claimed that this testosterone level was couldn't have been there naturally, blah, blah, blah. He mm-hmm. never took any testosterone. And I think the, the most logical explanation was that he was using the testosterone in training. Okay. It was still in the system when he took the blood out, mm-hmm. and then when he reinfused the blood, he had this. It was like a ten to one ratio, or no, six to one ratio of testosterone, yeah. heavy testosterone. Yeah, yeah, and somehow that's how he ended up with all the extra testosterone. So he admitted to doing something more serious, but he got caught doing something less serious. Yeah, but I, when we're trying to get onto like the ethics of doping, mm-hmm. yeah. I've heard I've heard the argument. I'm not going to say that this is my argument, but I've heard the argument mm-hmm. that, especially for some reason, Americans say this quite a lot mm-hmm. because there's a load of doping in the the big American sports. Yeah, whether yeah. it's basketball, American football, yeah, yeah. ice hockey, and baseball, mm-hmm. and because they have really strong player unions, mm-hmm. so they sort of say, "All right, you have to have a three-game ban when you get caught using steroids." And yeah. So, Three game ban, that's like a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing. And But it does cost them some money. Cause but there's the argument that says, all right, if you're a professional, mm-hmm. you should be allowed to use whatever you want, mm-hmm. which I don't fully agree with, but let's say you should be allowed to use whatever you want. It's your job. You're there to hit home runs, hit three pointers, mm-hmm. or in American football, smack down this other guy because mm-hmm. you're 150 kilos and you can run. Uh, what was it forty yards in under five seconds? Mm-hmm. And there's there's certainly the argument to that mm-hmm. when you see how many of them are dying young. Mm-hmm. But that's also their personal choice. Mm-hmm. That if you you decide to take all of the drugs, mm-hmm. and it's your personal choice, and you go in there knowing the risks, mm-hmm. 
to try and make as much money as possible at a sport, mm -hmm. people will say that you you should be allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Then the the other one is that you, like they do in, to a small extent in professional bodybuilding. Mm -hmm that they do like a health check. Like we talked about this with the EPO thing, mm -hmm. that if you go over 50% in Metacrit, mm -hmm. you need to rest. And let's say you have a battery of health checks on each athlete, which costs a lot of money, mm -hmm. whether it's blood pressure, ultrasound on their heart, because there's a lot of people have heart problems. Yeah. I mean, just this year, uh, you've had a few professional bodybuilders dying, like quite young, mm -hmm. like my age and younger. Yeah. Like the 2019 winner of the Mr. Olympia died uh, in the last year. Yeah, yeah. And when you see him, he looked amazing. Yeah. I. Not everybody agrees with how what, what like, but he looked amazing. Huge mm -hmm. muscles, great lines. Like, there's no body fat on his body, mm -hmm. and it killed him. Yeah. And then there was another guy, Cedric McMillan, was also like a what do you call it, Arnold Classic or Knight of Champions, or whatever it is, winner, mm -hmm. and very recently. Mm -hmm. He died this year, mm -hmm. and so there's various things like say like growth hormone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cause cancer, but if you do have cancer in your body, it accelerates it really quickly. Mm -hmm. So, so there's there's various things like that. So that argument of all right, professionals should be allowed to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think is viable. Mm -hmm. I can maybe get behind the argument of you can use whatever you like so long as the health tests show that you're healthy yeah which is probably unlikely and then you sort of say all right you need to take six months rest because your left ventricle has become incredibly thick mm -hmm. which is a possibility mm -hmm. and actually it's a well it's a probability actually that when you're using that many steroids your left ventricle gets really thick and it makes it very stiff yeah and hard hard for your heart to pump yeah, yeah. and then when you're exercising at the level that professional athletes do mm -hmm. That's really dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. But then you sort of say, all right, so professionals are allowed to do that. But then what about the people on the level below? Mm -hmm. They then have to then they then have to dope mm -hmm. to then get up to the professional level because a natural athlete would never be able to compete with like the guy that's using all of the dope. Yeah. So and you sort of look at bodybuilding, you see like a natural bodybuilder and they can look really good and mm -hmm. impressive. But nothing next to the guys that are at the Mr. Olympia. In, mm -hmm. I think next this weekend, next weekend, because mm -hmm. they those guys are huge, like big yeah. Remy Mamdou El El Spaye. Mm -hmm. He's what he he's like one hundred and forty kilos mm -hmm. of ripped muscle mm -hmm. at my height, which is sort of one hundred and eighty centimeters. Mm -hmm. Maybe I might actually be a little shorter than me. Mm -hmm. So he's like two of me, with but with like less body fat than me as well, yeah. which is just insane. And yeah. he might be a genetic freak, but he's a genetic freak because it, his receptors actually accept all of the, the steroid hormones. Okay. So, so you have to be a, a freak. So I don't really know where I stand on doping. That if the rules say this is doping and you get caught, mm -hmm. that's fair enough. But with a, a lot of doping, it's literally just a matter of, okay, it's what the rules say. And then that's doping because there's some things that are legal which improve performance yeah some th some things that are illegal mm -hmm. that don't really do anything yeah are less effective than say creatine or beta alanine or something yeah i mean I, I, to it's really difficult to 
have a solution for this problem because as you said earlier we have we have testing that can go awry that can cause expenses then we have the ethical concerns um you know if someone decides to cheat themselves and they it's their decision but then if they die sooner then as a society we have to decide what kind of society are we do we do we are we, do we value the individual more than the the whole, or do we value the whole? And if we, if, if the answer is the latter, then to solve or to help mitigate future deaths, it starts with either, um, well, two sides: younger education. So we we educate young players. This is the side effects of if you go down this road and mm-hmm. and then have these people who are dying on their deathbed hauled out from the hospitals in front of these children and go, yep, this guy, you want to do like this? And then go, no, no, thank you. Um, and then also, for people who get caught, I think there should be an escalation system in place. So yeah. in at first, um, they get caught and they should admit, or if they do admit, or whatever, if it's undeniable that they cheated or caused cheating or whatever, and they... And they benefited from that, whether financially, influentially, or whatever, they should um, be marked as this guy's a cheater, right? Well, I mean, the French have this thing called uh, sporting fraud. Yeah, yeah. Where if you you win something and you've since find out that you're doped, yeah, yeah. you can then be sued for fraud. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. Either give back whatever earnings that you might have made. Yeah. I'm not sure it worked particularly well, because when you sort of said, when you said, okay, if doping is proven, mm-hmm. proven is a very difficult exactly. word. Exactly, especially it's, it's, nowadays. And, yeah. yeah, and for a lot of them, you can argue. So the the level of the level for guilt in sports is lower than you would have in certainly in proper science and yeah, yeah. science yeah, yeah. that you can infer. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the court of arbitration for sport, and then they can yeah, find yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really difficult that trying to figure out exactly when somebody has doped. Yeah. And then you can, I mean, obviously the, you hear some of like the, the daft arguments, like the, yeah. the woman in the the EPO argument. Exactly. The, yeah. Yeah, that's a, just silly, but it's a contamination of supplements as well. Yeah, yeah. That there seems to be a load of osterine positives. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there's people out there that are using osterine to try and cheat, mm-hmm. but then there's other people who are using osterine because it's in some supplement they bought from Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And then, so then you have to sort of think, all right, worldwide, do you have like a regulation on supplements to make sure that athletes don't get caught doping? Yeah. Or there maybe should be more regulation on supplements worldwide. Yeah. Just because. You want to know what you're actually getting because that might be unsafe when you, because sometimes supplement manufacturers are just sloppy mm-hmm. and little bits of various drugs get in there. Yeah. But some of them aren't sloppy and they're deliberately putting them in there because you want to sell your supplement and if it gets a reputation for being effective mm-hmm. because it has drugs in, mm-hmm. this is what happens with a lot of these male enhancement products. Yeah, yeah. That they'll, they'll call it horny goat weed, mm-hmm. but it's actually just got a little bit of Viagra in there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a different issue uh, to how we deal with players who are caught. Um, I think those who are caught and then a second offence probably will be more severe, so we 
ban them for, from coaching or any future potential gain from the sports. Um, yeah. And I think the the way to do that is to just blacklist people and just say this guy can't be associated with this sport. I think if people who are cheating, if they think to themselves, yes, I will perform better in this moment, uh, at this moment, but then if they think in the future, what kind, of, what kind of sportsman do I want to be or present myself? If I get caught, then there's no future in the sport. And if yeah. they reconcile with that and they decide to cheat, then it's similar to, you know, if you're going to rob a bank and you decide to go through it, then there's no point of no return. Then right? But then for some people, it's their only way of making a living. And well, then, then that's... I know, it's really difficult. That's your fault for then, cheating. Then they argue in court and sort of say, well, you're taking away my ability to make a living. Yeah, but when you cheat and you gain profit from that, you're actually stealing from people's actual living who are competing against you. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry that <laughs> crocodile tears for me yeah. because I'm... Uh, it's my living. can F off. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's like... You know, yeah, it's, they it's have really sponsors, difficult. influence, uh, their cereal boxes on Fortnite, uh, you know, Fortnite streams, Fortnite, you know, <laughs> all these things. You have all of, like, you have all these comrades who are competitive with you who are doing it cleanly, who are making it, and then to, and who, who is like practicing for their lifetime or for their life I think one thing, hurt, sorry. I, I would definitely agree that so this argument for me make, is bullshit because you want to try and make <laughs> <laughs> you want to make it as fair as possible for everybody yeah so you, you do need drug testing right because the health testing would be far too invasive and probably wouldn't work yeah but like I say I want to try and pull both sides of the argument because I, I don't know where I stand when but for now the rules are whatever the, the rule most most sports have the same rules for drugs mm -hmm. but so you have the same same rules for drugs from WADA and that's the rules you just have to stick by them and obviously I can play be contrarian and argue that oh well this drug shouldn't be on there and maybe this drug but at this dose and you just sort of say all right this is the line in the sand I that's what the rules are I think inherent there is in chess as well, in, I'm thinking mostly in chess at the moment, in chess terms. When you sit down at the board and you shake hands and you start the clock, it is this... In, what about it, in chess if you do loads of steroids and <laughs> you shake hands, crush the other guy's hand for an advantage? Yeah. And are they testing for steroids? <laughs> are they just testing that. for ADHD meds and beta blockers? But as I was saying, when you You've sit down, Coleman sitting when you sit going, down, I will crush and you. And you say, I'm going to play, we're going to play. There is an inherent innate assumption that both of you are playing with your minds and no other assistance from the outside. In sports, I think sports, uh, good sportsmanship is, is following that principle as well. People who show up to the games, shake hands before, wish each other uh, good luck, at that moment, they are all equals, and they have agreed that their performance alone will speak for itself. Get it? Hands, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no one, okay, okay, okay. But, um, so, 
when someone cheats, they are breaking that that agreement. Yeah. And they're doing it willingly, unless your coach is drugging you without you knowing. Which, which, which has happened. Which is an argument for a and different it's time. Certainly, it's certainly one of the things... And that coach should be imprisoned, obviously, because that's a horrible thing to do. That's definitely something that we can agree on. Yeah, that definitely. If you're, if if you're, you're drugging someone without... If you're without, drugging somebody without their knowledge... Horrible. straight to jail, do not pass go, <laughs> Don't pass. and do not come out. That's horrible. And, yeah, because yeah. that, that's an awful thing. It's awful. Because that's one of the... It's certainly one of the things I've heard about, like Kenyan athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mentioned them in the EPO episode. Yeah, yeah. That there's been a lot of Kenyan athletes being caught. Yeah. And like the winner of the the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Just got caught. Oh, the lady winner of the mm-hmm. Boston Marathon mm-hmm. got caught doping, possibly with Osterine actually. It, it wasn't yeah. EPO. And yeah, that seems really sad mm-hmm. because yeah, there are some unscrupulous coaches that are just saying, "This is for your health," and. I mean, yeah, goes, that when when that happens, I mean, straight this goes to jail. Back to, uh, East Germans. And straight to jail because of two things. One, it could go bad ways. It could go the guy can die. Yeah, your and it's a form of assault. And then it's, oh, yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just horrible. I mean, we quite often that person's not a doctor. Yeah, we shouldn't even do that. Like we shouldn't count. Like just straight to jail. Forget forget the jury. They they you know just go there. <laughs> um, and then I think in that situation the coach should pay. Reprimands as well for in some way, yeah. Yeah, some jail is not enough. You just you know, um, and definitely not uh, be allowed in coaching ever again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we've had that with uh, in cycling. If I remember, there was a Canadian cyclist, uh, Genevieve Janson. Yeah. And yeah, she was teenage phenomenon, yeah. fifteen, sixteen, winning like adult races. Yeah. And turns out her coach and father mm-hmm. were giving her EPO and. I mean, I, th- I think the coach was, if not, if not sexually abusing her, but physically abusing her mm-hmm. as well. As yeah. So there was a whole list of other problems apart from the fact that she was doping. Yeah, yeah. But, and the, but the thing was, she was the one that got punished. Yeah. And not the people that were, and even if she knew what was going in there, mm-hmm. as a 15, 16 year old girl, mm-hmm. she didn't have the, the, the life skills yeah. to deal with something like that. Mm-hmm. That if you think about it, that she, yeah, the the pressure on her from her father, and her coach, to try and take these drugs, like, yeah, she was coerced into doing it. And it was really wrong. Right, we're so, running out of time. Yeah. So we'll say goodbye. And we'll we'll see everybody soon. Oh well, you won't see me. We'll you'll listen to us very soon. Yeah, definitely, hopefully, and uh, yeah, we'll talk next time. Yeah, we could waffle about this much longer. Yeah, we we could, definitely. Episode 2 incoming. (laughs)